Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Uh, today we are going to uh, start a new series. The series uh, is it's a different series, about four message series. And the title of the series is Be Connected to the World. Be Connected to the World. Uh, we don't want to be like the world, but we do want to be connected to the world. And this message, this particular message, is centered on, centered on the preciousness of Jesus. Uh, so the question is, how precious is Jesus Christ to you? That's the title of the message. How precious is Jesus Christ to you? And the whole series is based on our vision. Our vision is to be connected to God, to the body, to a ministry, and to the world. And so we're focusing on the last part of that to the world. So we only ask four things here is that you connect to God, you connect to the body, you uh, connect to a ministry, and that you reach out or connect to the world. We're cultivating relationships that will ensure that we are doing what God has called us to do. All of that starts with a foundation. And the foundation is found in 1 Peter. Let's look there. We open our Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 1. And Peter, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's talking to the aliens, to the sojourners, to those who are scattered in the five providences of Asia Minor. And he says in verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obedience to Jesus Christ, and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours to the fullest measure. Now, verse 3 is a key verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, God's great mercy, God the Father, great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Let's stop there. The preciousness, the preciousness of Jesus Christ. If we don't understand what Jesus has done fully, we are, are not going to be able to understand what we are to do and what God is calling us to do in proclaiming him. And so one of the things we will talk about is that Jesus Christ is precious to the Father. He's precious. And he's precious to the believer. And since he is precious to God and to the believer, then that compels us to do certain things. Those are things we're going to talk about. But first of all, let's lay this foundation of born again. What do we mean? Because if I say uh, Christianity, is so many people who use the word, they just throw it out there, I'm a Christian, uh, what does that mean? And so it says in First Peter chapter 3, he has called us to be born again. That means that we were born, we were all born in this, in this world, but he has called us, us to be born again. I said, whoa, that's, that's really good, that's really good, I like that. But now what do you mean by that? Let's look over to, to, to John, hold your place right there because this is our, we're going to stay in, in, in First Peter, we'll venture out just a little bit in some of the, our books, 
John chapter 1, verse 13, the Gospel of John. Let's look there. Verse 13. We're talking about that born again now. Born again. What does it mean, born again? Because I don't want to throw terms out there and we don't understand what those terms mean. What, what do we mean, born again? In verse 13 of, of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. So that means that we're not talking about our first birth into this world. We're not talking about that. Because we're not talking about born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if we're going to establish the preciousness of God, and when we talk about born again, we have to really understand that you didn't have the initial thing to do with your rebirth. Nothing. Meaning that it was not your will. It was not a will of man. It was not a will of any flesh. You couldn't do anything about it, but it's of God. He's the only one who's determined our rebirth. And so that tells me, oh, you mean I just didn't decide to get saved? Well, yes, I did decide to get saved, but I decided after I was drawn to the Father. In other words, I could not be saved unless he opened my eyes, pulled the blinders off my eyes, unless he did something. So we have to understand that. And when we start understanding that, we'll say, oh, Jesus is precious. He's really precious because I thought I had something to do with this thing. And that's how we are sometimes. We think, oh, well, I am who I am because, you know, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. You know, I'm the one who did this thing. Well, if it were not for God, you wouldn't have any boots to pull on your feet. <laughs> you wouldn't even have any feet, Right? <laughs> It's God. It's God. Everything is about God. He said, well, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> let's turn over to uh, chapter 6 in, in, in same Gospel of John. Same Gospel of John. Chapter 6, verse 44. Let's, let's still talk about this now because we're talking about the preciousness, the preciousness of Jesus Christ. We have to know how precious he is. Verse 44. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me, no one. Now, does, if I say, well, all, all ministers of the gospel, they can come to him. He said, no one. Is that right? Suppose I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a good person. No one. No one can come to me unless... Father, who sent me, and this is Jesus talking, draws him. Draws him. And that draws us to influence, to persuade. Now, once he does that, now I can choose. Because the choosing is basically already done for me. I want to choose. 
I want to be a child of God. I have a need for a Savior. That's what he's talking about. You say, oh. Well, I thought I was already saved when I came in the world. Well, when I was teaching school back over uh, years ago, over, I was in Beverly Hills Elementary School at that time, I was talking to a teacher, and she said, well, I said, I said well, uh, do, you, do, you, do you go to church? Now, you just start, start with that. You don't need to ask whether you're born again, because they, they, they might not understand that. Uh, so I said, do you go to church? Oh, yes. I'm, uh, they, called, they told me what they were, denomination-wise. And I said, oh. I said, well, what is that? What does that mean? What do, you, what, what, what do they believe? Oh, well, we believe that we are born again. We are saved from birth. Oh, you do. Now, they're deceived, aren't they? No one, come on, no one can come to Jesus unless they are drawn to the Father. So that means when you, were, when you were birthed in this world, you cannot come to Jesus unless you're drawn by the Father. Okay, so you're not born saved. So, okay. We are born into sin. Do we know that? We're born into sin by Adam's sin. We're everybody, everybody who's born from Adam is born and Eve is born into sin. So therefore, we are, when we're born, when we're born into this world, we are, are born into prison. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not, not the bars, incarceration, uh, natural, but spiritually, we're in prison. We can't get out. You cannot get out unless a ransom is paid for us. We are held captive to sin and death and hell. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, let's go to the Scripture because some, see, sometimes you, you might not believe some of the Scriptures we're talking about now. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, it tells us that there is no condemnation. It says, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So now we say, Oh, we have to be in Christ Jesus for there not to be any condemnation because I don't want to stand before God. You don't want to stand before God. I don't think you want to stand before God and be condemned. He says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Oh, Ooh, that's good. Now that's telling me that I have to set, be set free. How are you going to be set free if you're in prison? 
in a spiritual prison of sin and death. How, how can condemnation not be put on us when we stand before him? How can, it, how can we be free? We have to be in Christ Jesus. So now, we say, oh, the preciousness of Jesus Christ. How precious is he to you? That's the question. How precious is he to you? He's not precious if you think that you are the one that when you wake up, the sun rises and set on you. See, then, then you, you, the preciousness of Jesus is not there. You're precious, precious to yourself when you look in the mirror. But see, I, my Bible tells me there's only when I'm in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, it says in Galatians, I won't turn to it, Galatians, I think it's 3.20, it says that we were crucified with him. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Is that correct? In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith. In the who? Son of God. Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. So, the preciousness of Jesus Christ is, is rising. By scripture, is rising. And he said, well, I, I knew this all along. Oh, is that true? We're not talking about head knowledge, remember. We're talking about where it's, it, 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 it's just all over our being. It's like um, a, a, a new restaurant that opened up. And you go there, and everything is free. And everything is good. And they say, don't tell anybody. The first thing you're going to do <laughs> is what? Tell somebody. <laughs> you can't help it. You can't help it. It's too good, right? Too good to be true. Well, it's not true. But, it, 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 <laughs> but that's what God is saying in the preciousness of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back to... Uh, well, before we go back, let, let, let's, go to, <laughs> let's go to 2 Corinthians because this born again, again, born again, we know we have to be in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, how do I know about this rebirth? How do I know when I'm born again? How do I know that? What, what happens to me if I'm born again? Because, see, I, I believe if I went back probably to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, uh, to one of those uh, high school reunions, Booker T. Washington, high school lions, mm, blue and gold, excellent colors, you know, excellent colors. You know. And the old backfield got together, a quarterback cousin, Wayne Harper, running back, Chuck Woods, his father was a band director. I was a fullback. 
Got a fellow on the line named Jungle Jim. He was crazy. <laughs> he was good, though. Uh, Nelson uh, Braswell, the, the, the center. And we looked at each other. There's no way, no way that they would think I'm the same person. No way. If they saw me, well, of course, I don't look the same uh, that I did then. Uh, but if they talked to me, they said, oh, something's wrong with you. You're not the Willa Taylor that, that, that you know, what is the blue and gold. Why wouldn't they say that? Because I'm a new creation. See, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it tells me that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you remember we talked about in Christ, you've got to be in Christ, you've got to be in Christ. He is a, come on, tell me what that is. New creature. New creature. The old things passed away. <laughs> I guess I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. The old things passed away. Yes. Behold, new things have come, and all these things are from God. That's how you tell. You're not the same. You don't think the same. You don't act the same. You don't believe the same thing. You're just different. You're just different. Now let's go back to First Peter. Now let's start here and just go to the next verse. We were in chapter 3. I mean, chapter 1, verse 3. We talked about born again. Now when I toss the turn out born again, we know what we're talking about, right? You've got to be in Christ. New creation. Now it says, to a living hope. Oh, to a living hope. What does that mean? See, we are born again to a living hope. We are not like some other religions. They have a dead hope. Whoever they are hoping in is dead. Is dead. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. But in Christianity, it's based on Jesus Christ. He is alive. He's alive. And since he's alive, we have a living hope because he is our hope. He's our hope. And you say, whoa, that's pretty good. Let's look at verse 13 of the same chapter. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope. Completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is coming again. He's coming again. He is our hope. He's our hope for now. He's our hope for the future. So anything that I have need of, my hope is in Christ. It's not in man, not in flesh and blood. Because we know that flesh and blood is not dependable. Uh, matter of fact, in Proverbs, it says a faithful man who can find. We, we're just not faithful. But he is faithful, isn't he? He is faithful. And so my hope is in him. Let's go back to verse 3. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance 
which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Ooh, isn't that good? We have an inheritance reserved for us. I mean, your name is on it. When you go to a, a, a dinner that you already paid for and they have uh, little name tags, you have to find out where your name tag is to sit down there because they have reserved a place for you. I got something in the, in the mail yesterday, or something in the mail came yesterday from Liberty, and they said if you buy a season ticket and you buy this type of ticket, a seat will be reserved for you, a padded seat. And, and you, you don't have to worry about when you come. It will be there. It is yours. Our inheritance is ours. It's reserved for us in heaven. Now let's go down to verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Jesus Christ is precious. How precious is he to you and to me? When I say you, we're talking to us. Knowing that you were not redeemed... We have to stop there. I hope you don't mind stopping and going. Because we just can't pass over important words. Because if you pass over an important word and you don't know what the word means and it has something to do with the text, we just missed it. You've got to have some understanding. So it says that knowing that you were not redeemed with per- perishable things like silver, or gold. Now, I would think silver and gold was pretty good in this economy. Wouldn't you think? Of course, our monetary system, you know, part of the dollar is probably devaluing it. I mean, this is, if I had some gold, I'd rather have gold than have dollar bills. How about you? But it says that we were not redeemed with perishable or corruptible things like silver or gold. Well, what were we redeemed from? Do I have to be redeemed? Why do I have to be redeemed? I mean, who has me in prison? We all were. Remember I said that? We all were in prison, of the prison of sin and death. And the only way we can come out is somebody has to pay a price. Somebody has to pay a price. And the Father is the one... Who was sinned against? Was it not? Adam sinned against the Father. And so therefore, he was separated from the Father. Therefore, everybody who was born again, who was born of Adam and Eve, were born into sin. And so therefore, we were all in prison until a price was paid. And once the price is paid, now if we are drawn by the Father to Christ, we can accept that price. What's the price? Not silver and gold. What's the price? And what was I redeemed from? That redeemed is to pay. Is to pay a ransom to release me. Is to pay a ransom to release you. And and you all probably watch TV. And you, you, uh, some of you probably do. And... Um, uh, you know how somebody, they kidnap somebody? And what what do, what are they looking for? If You know, the person called the police and said, well, look, somebody kidnapped my husband. 
Uh, I don't know why, but they can keep him. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he was, <laughs> was somebody kidnapped. Uh, usually they, they kidnap a wife or, or a child or somebody because, you know, how hard they are. Men, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, and what, what happens? They call the police, and the police, they, 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 they put all these traces on the phone, and here's the telephone call. They say, oh, let me, let me, let me, don't pick it up yet. Then they put the trace on. Okay, now pick it up. Hello? Hey, we have your daughter, we have your son, we have your wife, and uh, you can get them back for X amount of money. What are they trying to do? Somebody has to pay it to want them back. Well, God says that I want my people back, my creation. And so, who can I send? Now, obviously, it had to be perfect. Can't be anybody born of Adam and Eve, so it has to be God. So, oh, okay. And, but it has to be man, too. Now, we're talking about sinless. So, let's keep it going here. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your fruitile, your, uh, your, your vain, your fruitless, like we're chasing the wind, lifestyle, inherited from your forefathers, but with what we're redeemed with? The precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, this goes back to Leviticus, and spotless, the blood of Christ. We were, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Now, if the Father wants to redeem us, and only person who can redeem us is God, all God, he has to be all God, all man, then he's going to have to be precious. That's his only begotten son that he's giving for the sin of the world. The only begotten son. Okay? Only begotten son. How precious is that to God? Very precious. Let's keep reading. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Through who? Through him. Who raised him from the dead, he's alive, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, that's the word again, that's the word, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of God, it endures forever. So we had to put our hope in the word of God, not in people. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander, 
like newborn babes. And here's something else that's very important. How do you know if you're born again? Or you're a new creation. We said it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Here's another one. Like newborn babes, long crave for the pure or sincere, the King James may say, milk of the word. If we are born again, we are supposed to be new creations. We're supposed to not be uh, going the same way we, we went before we got saved. We are supposed to crave. We're supposed to yearn. We're supposed to long after the things of God, the Word of God. We're not supposed to just come to church just because it's our duty to come to church. Somebody said, come to church. Oh, my parents make me come to church. I come to church because my parents make me come to church. Well, I keep coming to church even though now I'm grown because I've always gone to church, and I think that's a good thing to do. Um, go to church. It looks good on my resume. I go to church. You think about it. A lot of people do that. That's pretty good. So when you sit in church, you don't sit in church passing notes, looking at each other, holding hands, smooching. You're yearning for the milk of the Word of God. Um, um, yearning for the milk of God. Because that's in us. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We want to grow in our sanctification. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, as Angie Johnson uh, to come, and I'm going to ask Angie, would you come up? Angie Johnson is a longtime member of the congregation. And I asked her to, um, you can come up here, Angie, because people might be short and they can't see you. Angie, I guess about January 2010, 2011, I don't know what it was, sent me something. I, I said, oh, this is good. So I talked to her yesterday, and I said, hey, could you read this to the congregation? Because it has something to do with the preciousness of Jesus Christ. The preciousness of Jesus Christ. How precious is he? And I want you young people to pay attention, and everybody who's single. I told the pastor and everybody who's married, too. Oh, it's right. Oh. <laughs> Men, pay attention. It's, it was called, um, How Can I Not Love the Lord? He is a gentleman. He is confident. He is a provider and a protector. He is rich and powerful. He owns everything. There is nothing he would not do for me. He perfects all things concerning me. He anticipates my wants and needs. Every day he tells me and shows me how much he loves me. 
I don't have to perform in order to earn his love. He keeps all of his promises. No one can influence his opinion of me. He is the ultimate intimate partner. He can't disown me because I am a part of him. He prepares a table before me. He covers me and does not expose me. He wrote his loving words down so that I'll never forget how he feels about me. As I was reading this again last night, um, I've been, I was started thinking about the message that the pastor just recently gave in Psalm 23. And it talks about how he lets us rest in pastures and how he leads us beside still waters. And I thought about my relationship with my husband. Um, we've been married for 31 years. And we met as teenagers. We were high school sweethearts, but not at the same high school. And sometimes we as women want affirmation. We want to know, why do you love me? And when he responds, I just do, that's how God responds to us. I certainly didn't know how to cook when we got married. I knew how to keep a house because I watched my mother. I learned how to cook by telephone because... James was in the military, moved away, so I would call mom and ask her, how did you get your rice pudding or macaroni and cheese or how do I do greens or whatever? So I learned to cook by phone. And it blesses my heart when I have to travel out of town and my husband has to fend for himself, and he's so happy when I get home because he can't do the same things for himself that maybe I do for him because I put a little bit extra love in there. God does that for us. He loves us because he just does. It's not because of the, the way we wear our hair, the beauty of our skin, or how we look in our clothes. He's looking at our hearts. And when we think about loving God, our hearts should swell. Just like your heart may swell when you look at your mate or you think about um, the young man or the young woman that you want to marry, your heart should swell every time you hear their voice or, or look at them. And after 31 years, my heart still swells when I hear my husband's voice. Ooh. And my heart swells. <laughs> I'm going to tell James. <laughs> he knows. My heart swells when I realize I've heard just that still, small voice of God. When he tells me to be still, my heart still swells. Uh, just recently, I was um, thinking about changing careers. And I had gone so far as to ask people to be a reference for me. And they were very encouraging, and they said, oh, this would be a good thing for you. And about two days before I was going to submit my resume, I developed a pinched nerve that was so bad it brought me to my knees in tears. And I was out of commission for two weeks. I couldn't work for a week and a half. And one morning, while I was bent over brushing my teeth, God said, I just need you to be still. I put you where you are in your career. I blessed you where you are. You're not finished with my work yet. So you just need to be still. It took pain to make me be still. But when I heard that voice, I was like, I got you. Because he loves me, he put me in pain to make me be, make me be still. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. And in Romans 8, 38 to 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that is love. Thank you. Praise God. The preciousness of Jesus Christ. The preciousness of Jesus. Oh, he is precious. Verse 4 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men. Some people reject the living stone. But is choice and precious in the sight of God. We said one point we wanted to make is that Jesus Christ is precious to God. He's precious. And it says it right here. But is choice and precious in the sight of God. Verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Everything is through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Speaking of Jesus. Verse 7. This precious value, this precious value, the preciousness now that, that God has for Jesus, this precious value then is for you who believe. Every one of us who believe should value Jesus Christ as precious. Precious. But to those who disbelieve, he's not going to be precious. It says a stone which the builders rejected. We'll reject him if we don't believe. This became the very cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. To some people, the name of Jesus Christ is, a, is an offense. An offense. As I said once before, uh, when I was at Glass and, and uh, sponsored the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they stopped letting us pray and say at the end, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. They wouldn't, don't say that name. This is an offense to people. But to God, oh, he's precious. To believer, is precious. We don't want, I don't even want to say at the end of a prayer in his name. Even though we know that I know what you mean. But we can pray a prayer and say, help me to overcome this situation in your name, amen. And you won't know who the person praying, praying, praying to. You can pray to Buddha and say the same thing. But when you start mentioning name, Father, God, Jehovah, El Shaddai, 
Yahweh, help me to overcome this situation in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of your Son, in whom all things have to come through. In his name and only his name, amen. That's a big difference, isn't it? Big difference. It says that for they for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. If a person doesn't like the word, they they they, they gonna stumble over over it. And to this doom they were also appointed. Verse nine. But you are a chosen race. All these Old Testament names for Israel, phrases for Israel, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Those names are now our names. They're our names. So that you, in other words, is telling me that I belong now to Jesus Christ. We now belong to Jesus Christ. We are born again now. We are in Christ. He's the living stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the, the rock. He's the anchor. He is our hope. This tells us here that all those names are the same thing he's naming us now. Whether we're Jew, whether we're Gentile, it doesn't matter as long as we're in Christ. That's us. And we are supposed to hold him as precious for a reason. What is that reason? It's not only just because God holds him precious, because he does. It's only, not only because he is precious, because he is, but it also is because it says that, that the preciousness, is, it, 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 it compels us. Oh, it compels us, it says, so that you may. So that you may. That means that in order that you may. In other words, we are chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are his own possession so that we may proclaim. Does the preciousness of Jesus Christ cause us to proclaim? Is he so precious to us that it compels us to proclaim his goodness? Like that restaurant that everything was free and he said, don't tell anybody. Is it so good, the food is so good that it compels you to proclaim, hey, that restaurant right there, don't tell anybody I told you, go. Right? We have to talk about him. You remember the, 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 the disciples back in Acts? They said, well, we have to, too. We have to. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know anything. But this one thing I know, we cannot stop talking about. We can't stop teaching. We can't stop preaching. The name of Jesus Christ. That's what he said. They, they, they were compelled to do this. He has to be so precious that we, pro, we are compelled to proclaim his name. That's what we, we're talking about when we're talking about uh, be connected to the world. We have to get out of the four walls here and we have to go out and we have to proclaim. Oh, the, the world says, Shh. We, we got Muslims, we have, you know, people, uh, Buddha, we have all these people, different religions, so don't say anything. Don't do anything. I can't help but proclaim. Can't help it. 
when you look at my lifestyle, it's going to proclaim. It's going to proclaim. That's what it says here. Proclaim, and that proclaim means to show forth, and the King James says show forth. We're supposed to be showing forth something. We're supposed to be telling forth something. We're supposed to be, <laughs> it says, declaring something. Tell something out. We're supposed to be doing it. In our lifestyle, it, we're supposed to, somebody's supposed to see a difference. And, and I, I know in, in, when I was in public school, you couldn't, you couldn't say things, but it's all right. I didn't have to say anything. If I go, if I, if I go to the lunchroom, I take my Bible. Uh, one, one, of, one of my coaches said, you know what, what we used to call you? I said, no, Moses. Because you had your little shoulder bag, man. You had your little sandals on, you know. Had your Bible. Now, elementary school, doing lunch, if I didn't have lunch, dude, I'm going to be in my office, I'm going to be in the equipment room with the door closed, I'm going to have my Bible. Because I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read this thing. And, and, and my lifestyle has to be something that you've you, you got to know the difference. There is going to be a difference. There is going to be a difference between me and you. When we go to, go to a teacher's uh, room and everybody's talking about the principal, <laughs> I know we have teachers in here. And I know, oh, we got a principal in here too. <laughs> but we, I don't, we don't talk about no, no, no. If you are born again, you can't help but proclaim him. And to proclaim him, you're going to have to uphold all authority. You're going to have to uphold your principal. You're going to have to uphold your, your, your students. Don't be in there talking about your students, how bad the students are. No. Say something good about somebody. Call those things that be not as though they were. That's what a Christian does. You're going to have to proclaim his excellencies, his praises, his perfections, his goodness. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Because... He's the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once we were not a people, verse 10 says, but now we are a people, the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, the preciousness of Jesus Christ. We can't help but proclaim him. And I believe that to the degree that he's precious, it's to the degree that we're proclaiming. He said, if you, don't, if, if you don't speak of me before men, then I'm not going to speak of you before my Father. We need to proclaim. So let's start elevating the preciousness of Jesus Christ. It's a process. I'm not there. You're not there, but we like Paul. We're pressing towards the mall for the prize of the high calling. We're going to get there. We're going to get there together. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.